Welcome to the podcast about two good friends sharing stories to surprise and delight each other. I'm Courtney Farrell. And I'm Mason New. And this is I Got One For You. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is the podcast I Got One For You. I'm Mason New. And I'm Courtney Farrell. And we get together every week to have conversations of surprise and delight where we might laugh, we might cry, we might think, but we were here to be excited about the world we're all creating together. So Mason, <clears throat> I had this I had this thing happen. This is actually a couple years ago, but I went walking with a friend and we see each other periodically and we're just talking about what's on our minds. And at that point in time, what was on my mind was how to get my children to behave. And <clears throat> The thing I noticed that was so hard about that task was that when I would say, you stop that, or, I wouldn't know what the or would be. Like, what's the or? What's the consequence? Got it. I'm too tired to come up with a consequence in the moment. Right. It feels like the consequences need some pre-thought, right? So I decided what would be, <laughs> what would be cool <clears throat> is to make a consequence jar. So I sit down on a day where I'm rested, I write out a bunch of consequences. I put them in the jar. I mean, I'd say, you stop that. You're going to have to pull, pull something, out, something out of the out. consequence oh, oh, jar. And then a consequence jar of yes. which now you are part of the the, the choice. <clears throat> this of is the, true. Yeah, so there's right. just something. I loved the idea. I'm going to admit that I talked about the idea prior to doing it. <laughs> and my friend said, great idea. And she went home and made a consequence jar. And she told, sat two of her children down, and she explained to them, you know, if you do something or don't do something that I ask you to do, you're going to have to pull a consequence out of the consequence jar. And she's feeling good about her uh-huh. newfound parenting tool <laughs> and goes upstairs to take a shower. And she's in the shower, and she hears a just complete caterwauling from downstairs, crying, ah, Mom! <laughs> She runs downstairs, uh, comes in, she goes, what's going on? Uh-oh. You know, she said, the brother had thrown a car at the sister. Oh, okay. So this was the action that was going to The action be, was just it. the car had been chucked right. at the sister's head. Right, right. And she said, what are you doing? He said, I wanted to play the consequence jar game. <laughs> <laughs> what a game. Great game. <laughs> Great game. The consequence jar game. <laughs> Which is ironic only because I had not thought through the consequences of putting consequences in a jar and explaining it to your children. And then now it becomes a game in which, oh, let's see what I can get. Yeah. Like, just one second. I'm going to add one more little slip of paper to the jar. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. Just as we're trying to like, you know, you're trying to gamify Right. Our lives in a way, especially sure. for those of us with children, you're trying right. to make, you know, dress up as pirates and wash the dishes to find treasure at the bottom. You know, you're trying to do something that makes all of this stuff more fun, makes right. people want to do it. And and games themselves are just, a, a, they're a great medium for fun there, but they also have consequences <sighs> beyond just consequence jar games. I mean, they're <laughs> consequences of winning, losing, you know, those Games are games are really good instructional tools, I think. They are, especially when they kind of bump into parenting. So do you do you remember George McVeigh, who was the head of, of course. St. Christopher's of course. for forty years? Right. Which is just an all boys school here in Richmond. Anyway, 
he had three boys. He has three boys. And when they were younger, they would fight over who gets the front seat. Oh. They play that game shotgun. Like oh, shotgun, sure. you right. know, only right. when someone yelled shotgun, they didn't automatically get the front seat. Sure. The three boys would just it was whoever physically won right. the front seat, got the front seat. And he got so frustrated with it that who, he, who, who? George McKay, oh, the, oh, father, oh, the father. Right, got right, right. So frustrated with the boys arguing over who was gonna ride in the front seat that he just went and took it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different consequence jar game. And it's, it's not going to be a jar. It's just going to happen. And, the, and the, the seat was out forever. It wasn't like he took it out for a weekend until they stopped uh-huh. bickering. It was gone. Uh-huh. There was a driver's seat, and then there was the back seat. You guys can all sit back there. Apparently, he's much better rested than I am. He could come up with something good. I, I love games. I mean, there there's so many fun ones out there. What 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 games? What what kind of games do you like? Oh gosh, I was I like games that are I like games that are physical, that I have some kind of um, I could impact the the outcome. Obviously, that means I like competitive games. Right. Right. So I, there, you can play a card game. It's a little bit luck. I love a card game, but it's sort of luck of the draw. True. You know, go fish. Luck of the draw here. Solitaire. Right. Luck (laughs) of the draw. Right. You shuffle well enough, you're going to win. You don't, you're losing. Right. Mm -hmm. So just those chance games, they're fun. But I like games like a good old fashioned pie eating contest. (laughs) This I like. Or watermelon eating contest. Or something that it's you know cornhole something that's physically mm-hmm. active and i can impact positively or neg- negatively the outcome of the game oh, so you so not chance you your your actions will dictate the outcome i like i like my actions and i like luck i love walking stepping out with luck I mean, mm. I, i'm going to get dressed in the morning and put luck on my arm i mm-hmm. i think that's a really important element to games and quite frankly life is to walk side by side with luck as long as she'll hang out there with you. <laughs> Chance, eh, I'll take her leave. But luck, she's my girl. What's the difference? I never thought about the difference, actually. No, chance, chance is just like, there's a card. It's going to be yours or not. Luck, I mean, you have to court luck. You have to, mm. you got to, you know, you got to speak sweetly to her. <laughs> you know, luck is something that will hang, will, will hang with you if you allow it. Luck is sort of, to me, it's a little bit of intuition. You're reading the tea leaves. You're reading the signs mm. that are all around you. And then, mm-hmm. then you can sit down and have a lap that luck will fall into. Mm. right but chance chance is just you know it's just swinging around you didn't do any so so you you believe that you you have attract luck yeah you okay got it don't you Uh, well i never thought about it i mean i i i think it was thomas jefferson who said something like i make my own luck or there's some i mean he went to uva he you didn't didn't he have something about that like I don't know. It was it was it was something about his his effort would create luck. I think that so- that sounds about right. I I've heard someone say that let's see, you know, luck 
something something with the lap part of luck. Like you need to have, luck might be random, but you need to have a lap it can fall into. Mm-hmm. You know, something to that effect. But okay. I do believe that you can court and and attract luck. And I think the more luck you have, the more luck you're going to get. It just it's 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 exponential. Okay. All right. So, all right. I got a game then. Okay. <laughs> I want you to, I want you to channel whatever you do to to get lady luck or whoever sure m- yeah monsieur luck or whatever it is to, sure. to come to come your way because we're gonna play it right now all right but i gotta i gotta back up and tell a quick quick story about it so you you've been on long hikes right i love them okay so where do you normally look when you're hiking I'm like a pack mule. I look yeah. right in front of me, and and then I try and remind myself, you know, you've got to look up, right? You know, and then it's it's hard. It's hard. It, it, it is hard. Right? It's hard to hike and look, but and, I and try a, really hard. And of course, usually when you get to the destination, that's where the best view is, and that's when you you know you that's can the relax. So, yeah, that's yeah. okay. Well, so I've been on a lot of long hikes in my day, and um, in fact. Uh, I went on Outward Bound when I was 16, which was a transformative experience and a game that we used to play on the trail because you're trying to pass the time because your back hurts and your feet hurt and it's hot. And you're you can't thirsty. believe you've signed up for this. Exactly. Yes. So the game that we used to play is called Green Glass Door. Okay. I've never heard of it. Okay, great. You're going to need some luck, though. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to re I'm going to say a mystery or I'm going to say a riddle to you. Okay. And then you have to figure out why. Ready? Okay. All right. So Moose and Penny can go through the green glass door, but Cyrus and Banjo cannot. Oh goodness. Okay. So these are dogs. So um Austin and and Goose can go through the green glass door, but Nikki and Mally cannot. Um, no. Oh goodness! All right, wait a minute. Let me give. Okay, I'll give you, okay. I'll give, give you, me another. Give me, give me another one. Because you're thinking dogs. I'm thinking dogs. McGill oh. and Anne can go through the green glass door, but Mason and Wordy cannot. Is this a spelling game? <laughs> is that what this is? Is this a public humiliation spelling game? I feel like this is a spelling game. I told you you were going to have to channel some luck. <laughs> okay. If given a great amount of time, I f- like a long hike, Mason, right. I feel that of I could course. crack the code. Okay. I like this game. I really do like this game. But It but is it's, a spelling it's game. It's a spelling game. I knew it. What's the answer? Okay, the answer is that any name with double letters, like green, glass, door, those those three uh, words have double letters back to back. Okay. So whoever can go through the green glass door has double letters. So And it's fun if you say, you know, things that are related. So moose and penny or goose and penny. So those I love are that. Dogs so, but you could do anything. You could, you could, you could, could be, you know... It has to be a vegetable, like right. yeah, okay. Right. I love that. I love yeah, that. It's a fun. It's a fun game. I mean, when someone doesn't know it, I mean, you can go on and for hours. On. Yeah, 
road trips. So I li- I but I well, like hikes. I like things like this where you know we've we've become so accustomed to when we have downtime we go to our phones. We look yes, at our phones. I'm, Somebody wants to talk to us. Somebody I make, is I make trying. that mistake a lot. It, uh, you can see it when you're in the airport, which is the great greatest waiting space of all, where you're just sort of, you know, her, waiting to hurry up. And <laughs> you're saying that everybody's on their phone. And it's funny because these waiting times are really a time for us to be able to have some play, you know, some fun. I think they should have mm-hmm. cornhole in the airports. You know, just oh, that, something that that's you could a good do idea. while we're while we're sitting there waiting. And I like games like this. So at our family, we play Twenty One Questions. Whenever there's just we're all sitting there together, and there's a space of nothingness, someone will say, "I'm thinking of I'm thinking of a person." And the first question is real or imaginary. And mm-hmm. you, know, you have to do yes or no. Mm-hmm. It's easy, mm-hmm. you know. It's, mm-hmm. But it's so fun, especially if you play it all the time because you have some go-to names, you know that. You'll just do for the fun of it that you'll you'll put in there. It's just we really, we love that. I, I we're a family kind of we're we're a game family. Mm-hmm. It, what's your favorite right now? Your does your family play a lot? Well, we we like card games, because um, I guess we believe in chance. <laughs> there it is. You I like guess. the chance. I we started playing this game. This is a little grim, but it's sort of funny. Um, there was this game that we, a card game that we got years ago called Guillotine. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever heard of it? Never. All right. It's this game where you you win by getting, it, it's it's for the French Revolution. And so like the people who go to the guillotine, they all have different point values. So you're, and you, you have to shuffle the order and you're trying to, you're the executioner. You're trying to off the people. You're the executioner. You're, you're the executioner. It's and a great insight into your family <laughs> dynamic. Can you make your own card? <laughs> you no. And, 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 you know, it's the... Does it sync it, with your photo app? Well, of course. It's like, yeah, right. <laughs> and, of course, the game itself, it's trying to, you know, they're cartoon characters and, you know, they, different people have different values. And, and uh, you know, one of, one of the, the lowest level is he's called Piss Boy. I mean, you yeah. Know, so he doesn't have very much value, and then of course, you know, Marie Antoinette. She has she's the, the she's yeah. the top. So one. it sounds kind of fun. It it, it, it sounds it's, like it's got a little history in there. Yeah, a understanding it's fun. Of it's a- fun. But then I read this this pretty long book on the French Revolution after playing the game, and I was like, uh, <laughs> this is pretty pretty gross. <laughs> I mean, it's a fun game, but it. I understand. I, I understand anyway. the premise. So I was I was thinking about how much is out in the market right now telling people that their wellness is important. Okay, so wellness we all know is important. It's, you know, you get your checkups, you go see your doctor, you get your sleep, you make sure you rest, you make sure you get your fitness, you drink your eight glasses of water a day. And it struck me that all of these things – are because revolve around the body, right? Of course, rest. It's for the body, right? You know, um, all these things. How do you keep your body fit and healthy so it can last the 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 time? But we don't often talk about the things that are important for the soul, and yet mm. it is 
in my opinion, as important as the body. The body's the violin case, the soul's the violin, right? Mm, it's, it's going well, around together. Metaphor. So you can't, we, we put all of our energy, our money, and our time into the body. It's an important thing. But when we think about this idea of play, mm. play is sort of the language of the soul, in my opinion. I mean, For you, sure. And so this is where all these things that, you think about it as children, and we, we've, I actually, I looked up the definition of play. I looked up the definition of play. It's a word that I really love, and it says this, engage in activity for enjoyment and recreation rather than a serious or practical purpose. And we think of our lives as adults. We are very much focused on serious, practical purposes. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. And then, I got to pay the bills. I got to get so-and-so to this. I got to make this meeting. I got to, I got this quote. I got to make sure so-and-so is in the right math class. I've got to, we have, everything has this sort of serious bent. Even when we try and add play into our lives, it's sort of added in in a serious mm. way. And I've noticed we do that for our children too, as well now, which is it's, it's play, but it's serious play. Like you're going to be signed up for this program and you're, there will be an output at the end of the program to make sure that it was worth the money that we put into it. But this interesting conversation just around the idea of play, that you're just, you're engaging your imagination. What are we doing on a daily basis as human beings that mm. engages our imagination, that mm -hmm. allows our souls to leave the confines of our bodies, mm -hmm. express some sort of creative, um, I don't know, creative Oh, it's not the word output, but creative. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, I hate it when that happens. I'm gonna send the gnomes out well, in my the, brain to find the, the word. Well, you're you're just talking about the creative inspiration to find. Yeah, just you go, know, but the, to re to release it, to be able to mm -hmm. express your creativity. There we go. Without having to have an output, without having to have it be good, right? You're just out taking and creating space for yourself. I well, that's that's really interesting that you say that because I definitely feel myself not falling into the trap of the practical and we got to do this and we got to get this and I got to check off these boxes in my to do list and da 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 da. So I invented a game for just myself. Really? Yes, and I think you'll really like it. Um, and in fact. Try it. Okay. It's it's simple. So I know you like competitive games, and I do too. But I also like competition with myself. So if I can see, like, if I can get better at something. Yeah. So as you know, I like to go on these walks early in the morning. And so you know the story about Ansel Adams and the way that he took photographs. I don't. So. Ansel Adams, you know, you know who he is, yeah. the, you know, would have the big black and white black landscapes. And, white. And, and so I believe it was because it was a combination of the limited technology that he had for photography and also his own personal desire to do it the right way. And with his artistic eye, he would go to a place and he would wait all day or or whenever he, he only took one picture really yeah so he would train himself to notice when the light was just right or the the photo was going to capture exactly what he wanted and part of it was practical 
you know, he was carrying a big camera and film was not, you know, ubiquitous and, you know, that kind of stuff. So the game that I play to try to release some of these creative energies, when I'm on my walk, I'll, I'll, I'll bring my phone with me, but I will take one picture. Oh, that's pretty cool. Not, not blasting along. So I have to walk along. And I mean, they're beautiful things. Flowers, interesting light. I took one the other day of this red couch that someone had thrown out. And I'm going to write a poem about that. You know, just this sort of cast aside thing. But it was one photo. And once I take it, if I see another one, that would have been better. That's it. Too bad. I'll have to come back and I'll have to look at it in a different way. And it and it has forced me, that game, playing that game with myself, has forced me to look at more things when I'm on my walk. Wow, I love that. Have you named this game? No, I haven't. Okay, well, maybe that's, we'll, that's your challenge. You yeah. got to go with the name because I, I play a similar game in museums. So whenever I go into a museum, I'm all excited. And then I walk in and I take my first breath of museum air. And then I get museum legs, which is when your legs fill with buckshot and lead. <laughs> and it's just hard to move them. You know, as a, as a child, when you go on field trips, and you're like, when uh-huh. is this museum? Gonna, When's lunch? Yeah, exactly. So I, I try and say, okay, I have 30 minutes to find one piece of art that I get to take home with me. What is it? So I'm there to find, like I'm there right. to find this thing. So it helps me look at it. It does. It helps you open up your eyes and sort of th- see things. That's a great game. Differently. That's a little different. <laughs> that's a little different than the game that I played with my four-year-old son, five-year-old son in the Musée d'Orsay in in Paris, have you been there? I I have not been there with a four or five year old. Okay, so we got this amazing invitation to go visit a family in Germany, and then after a week with them, we came to Paris. And our kids were too young to go, but we did it because we'd gotten this invitation. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Go to the Musée d'Orsay, which is a a delicious museum. I, you don't get museum legs in the Musée Musée d'Orsay. You don't. Anyway, so we go around and I'm trying desperately to keep a four-year-old engaged so that I can enjoy the museum. So I said, okay, well, let's see how many baby angels we can find, right? In all of, in each one of the galleries. Right. Well, that got turned around in the four-year-old brain to be naked people. (laughs) Boy, he could count high. <laughs> yeah, at four. So, it was like, so, so we, went, we went from baby angels, which are usually naked, at least in Renaissance paintings, to now everyone. So you know, he was he was finding all kinds of nudes in the Musée d'Orsay, and we had a great visit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking of museums, nudes, and a great visit, my favorite piece of art. In the Metropolitan, so I the Met in New York. In New York, okay. I went in there. It's 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 a, it's a colossal museum. I mean, it is. You could live there. You could live in the Met and not mm-hmm. see it all. Right. Your entire life could be spent in the Met and you would not see it all. Right. At least, like fully take it all in. But I went around one day looking for my thing, and I have found it, and it's stuck inside 
of my soul and I think about it. I, I take myself to this person because I think it is the essence of joy and it is in the if you go to the Met, there's this one room that has a huge, gigantic, tall ceilings and lights pouring in, and that's where they keep most of the marble statues. Okay. Okay, that might not be true. There are a lot of marble statues in there. Whether it's most, I have no idea. Okay. But there is a statue in there that was given to some courtyard in Boston, but they found it to be lewd, and so it had to be removed. Mm-hmm. But it was a, a mother... She's a new mother. She has her baby. She's not wearing any clothes. And she's must be her first child because she looks great. All right. <laughs> so she she's holding her baby up in her arms, up high. So her arm is extended above her, holding this beautiful plump, let me grab you, squeeze your little tummy screw on your arms and wrists, baby. And she's got one foot up in the air and her toes are curled out. And she's looking at her child and she's so filled with love and happiness and she still has her youth and it's just every time I look at it I'm I'm flooded with joy I just whoever made it who is now probably no longer with us absolutely thank you so much because it's amazing how a piece of marble with a couple things stripped away can fill me with the with the definition of the word joy Mm. and if you find yourself in the Met you have to go see her and just say Courtney says hi and (laughs) And thank you once again. Well, and she is naked, so I'm sure that any four-year-old can can lead me there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, it's just it's a it's a phenomenal piece. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, yeah. but I had to tell you because it's just well, I love mind-blowing. that story. I love that story because you're you're connecting back to these profound moments where memories are then indelible indelible how i mean how long ago were you there oh this is 25 years ago that i've seen it i've been back to visit her because it's just and and, Mm. and i always wonder when i go back is it going to do it to me again like i I already have her in my head every time every time i just think yes i'll leave with this piece thank you very much (laughs) the rest was nice i'll take her home not literally for any, uh, you know, law enforcement people out there. <laughs> they have too many cameras. I, it's yeah. too heavy. I could never get it out. I've tried. <laughs> well, games. So, you know, do you, do you, did you go to many football games at, when you were at Virginia or other oh, places? Sure. sure, I loved them. But the coolest, the coolest football game cool is the wrong word the most amazing energy filled football game I've ever been to was when I lived in Louisville Kentucky and I went to a Louisville home game early season and they were playing Alabama oh it must have been early in the season it was early in the season but here's the so again you know my level of of sports knowledge it's low right (laughs) but when I lived in Kentucky the SEC is just like such a crazy sweep of energy you can't help get wrapped up Mm -hmm. in it I was in my 20s so it was really fun and um we went to this game Louisville won oh boy which was awesome to watch because Alabama fans are we can talk about them in a second but Alabama fans are serious about their fanning very very serious so all the girls who were dating anybody who had a girlfriend when the game ended if their boyfriend was an Alabama fan, they the girls were crying Uh-oh. because it meant it was going to be a bad week. <laughs> and I could, it was hard for me to wrap my head around. Yeah. There was a small part of me that was like, I'm so glad they got beaten. Anyway, 
<laughs> long story, halftime, I'm sitting in the stands. There's a tracker on the football field. At halftime, because we're in Louisville, Kentucky, on the track comes a golf cart. And in the golf cart, not driving, but in the passenger side of the golf cart, is Muhammad Ali. And What was he doing there? Well, he's from Louisville. And so oh, he was there. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was oh, there to just... Okay. You know, it's halftime. I mean, some people have marching bands in, in Louisville. They have Muhammad Ali come. Right, of course. And, you know, he's he's lived a long life. You you saw him light the mm-hmm. the flame at the at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. He's not well, mm-hmm. but um, so he's he came onto the track. They drove him around the track, and then I was sitting sort of at the fifty yard line, halfway up in the stands, and he taps the leg of the driver who's driving the golf cart to make him stop, to get him to stop. <clears throat> it's right in front of me. He gets out of the golf cart. He stands there, sort of, he's a little shaky, and he looks up into the crowd. He's scanning the crowd like, like he's looking for a lost friend. And then he locks eyes with me. <laughs> I cannot make this up. It wasn't the person to the left or right. It was with me. Mm-hmm. And he lifts his arm up, and it's, it's, it's got a tremor. And he points his finger out and he looks at me for the count of 10 and points. And then the shaky finger comes down and he turns around, he gets back in the golf cart and he goes. And again, you want to talk about profound moments for a second. In the stand, I'm sitting there thinking, first of all, this is crazy. And second of all, when he looked at me, what he was saying is... Much is expected of you, mm. and I'm not. I'm did not, you did you feel that right then and there? Right or? then and there. Oh, interesting. Much is expected of you, and I'm not telling you right now that Muhammad Ali picked me out of, you know, all of the fans because he was looking for me. I'm telling you that he got out of a golf cart. He scanned the the thing till he could lock eyes with someone, and I've got those eyes that want to lock with yours. Like I'm looking around to lock some eyes. Uh-huh. I like a good eye lock, right? <laughs> so. He's doing this and pointing because he fundamentally knows that if he can he can pass that kind of energy on to people, and I think it is ever since then I've just thought about how much impact we have on each other just by noticing each other. The power that you have when you take the time to lock eyes with someone and then pass on this, you know. Whether it's much as expected of you or I see you, I notice you, you have mm-hmm. value, you're here, it's important that you're here and you better keep being here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my big football game. I'm sure there was football played. I can't tell you one play of football. Alabama lost and Muhammad Ali pointed at me. <laughs> well, it sounds there like... There we go. Great so, game. <laughs> sounds like the latter might be more important. Yeah, very. <laughs> Muhammad Ali. Uh, that reminds me, and I'll, I'll show this to you, my father... You know, um, he was born in 1940, and like many boys of his generation, even though he'd grown up here in Virginia, he was a huge Yankees fan, New York Yankees. Really? Baseball. Yeah, New York Yankees. Was that allowed fan. to be from Richmond? Yeah, Grew up was, in Richmond uh, and be yeah. a Yankees fan? That was allowed. I, I, I guess so. I, 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 I'm not sure why that was, but everyone, you know, at, at this time in life, I guess, just loved the Yankees. I, I don't know. But anyway... My grandmother took him, you know, he was an only child. My grandmother took him to a New York Yankees game when he was 10. So it was 1950. And the great 
Yankee players of, of the era. There were many. And this was before Mickey Mantle got on the team, but Joe DiMaggio was, mm. he was, I mean, he was the national icon. I mean, he, he you know, you, you know, just think of the big sports store, the sports athletes today. This is DiMaggio in 1950. So my father had a baseball that my grandmother had bought him at the, you know, the store or whatever. And so after the game, he walks down and he stand there. My dad was a pretty small little guy and he stand there in this big crowd and it's after the game and DiMaggio is signing autographs and he looks up, similar story to what you just said, looks up and locks eyes with my dad. And hmm. what's interesting is my dad had sort of similar color eyes to you, like really dark, really dark brown eyes. And DiMaggio points to him and says, bring, bring that boy down here. And so my dad comes down, DiMaggio picks him up and walks him around in every single one of those New York Yankees signed the ball. Stop it. And I have it. I can prove it to you. And if that makes me, that makes, I have little goosebumps on my, that just, that's, that's so lovely. And, and it, it's, <clears throat> sorry, it just, when he gave it, to, I remember when he gave it to me and, you know, he was like, this is for you. <laughs> and I, I mean, um, you know, I was, I don't know, 10 or whatever, and I still have the ball. And, and, you know, if, the house is on fire and everyone's out of the house. All you know, the pets and the children and the wives and the all this stuff. I'm going back in the house to get that ball. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I mean it's it's my most prized possession. Well, because that's Joe DiMaggio picking you up too, isn't that this is what I was saying about the Ali, same thing. Look at look at these people who realize he knows that you can have that much impact on another person. And what I I can, I can, feel very strongly is that each one of us has that in us. Mm-hmm. Each one of us mm-hmm. can have that kind of, let me pick you up, let me take in here, let me show you around, mm-hmm. get you a few autographs, and this is going to be the thing that you pass on to your next person, you know, the people in your family. That mm-hmm. is, I love that story. <laughs> That's a, yeah. I love that story, Mason. And, well, thanks. I I, I hadn't thought about that story in a long time, you know, and I don't know why we're talking about games. And then you tell the thing about Muhammad Ali. I'm like, oh, well, wait a minute. There's this other story that's connected. Uh, the way we always talk about these things, how they're connected conversations. And so I just finished stuff. reading the, the book. Um, uh, the Alchemist. I'm sure you've read The Alchemist before. If you haven't read it, you you need to read it. I have. I am. It's oddly enough, I have it, and I'm I'm. Um, Melissa's brother had given it to her, and she's recommended it to me. So I'm I am going to read it because I I've I've heard a lot about it. But tell me tell me why tell me why it's connected to what we're talking. Well, about. it's connected because, and I just finished reading it, so it's fresh in my mind, but. It's just a book pack full of lessons. I think everyone should read it. It just helps you figure out you know your path that you're on, where you're going. But one of the things that is highlighted there, two of the most important things are luck 
and coincidence mm. that these two things, I mean, it's coincidence. I tell you, Ali, then you coincidence, your father has the same, same similar story, but mm-hmm. that these are actually the most important things to be looking for in life. That's sort of one of the, one of the a small thread running through the book that it's part of this sort of inner, this is sort of universal language that all humans and animals and anything can speak and share together. And it was what we talk about. It's the, it's the, sh- the, the purpose of a conversation Maybe not the purpose, but one of the outputs of a conversation, one of the consequences of a conversation (laughs) is that there is emotion that can be Mm -hmm. mined, right? And and Mm -hmm. brought to the surface. So Mm -hmm. that's where that whole idea of coincidence and luck come together. Maybe it's a stretch. Read The Alchemist. That's my point. But why, why do you think conversation is connected to that? Like when you're talking about you know, coincidence. What? Why? Okay, I'll see is, if I can explain this. Yeah, we just shared those two stories. Mm-hmm. But when you told me about your dad and you were explaining and you 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 showed me the, your pointing finger, mm-hmm. get that boy and have mm-hmm. him come down here. Mm-hmm. I instantly got a feeling of emotion that went through me, mm-hmm. and it and I couldn't help but cry just a little bit, mm-hmm. and I. I don't understand why, but the coincidence between those stories and the feeling of it, I don't know, there's something lovely about that. There's something that's meaningful and important, and I think that happens for a reason. Got it. Maybe you don't got it. Maybe that was no, a little... I No, I do, I do, I do got it, as okay. they would say. <laughs> and, and I think it's because, you know, our, we have evolved over thousands and thousands and thousands of years to share resources, to cooperate. And the way that we can do that is that we talk. Pre-literate societies did exactly what we're doing right now. Well, yeah, you talk. Women do this all the time. I'm not suggesting men don't, but I bet you women do it a little bit more, like my sharing and talking about the consequence jar, right? We, we, Mm -hmm. we, we, We... glean things from each other to help understand our own realities. Mm, yes, but but isn't it but but isn't it remarkable, maybe miraculous that you can convey the things that we were just talking about, the emotion of stuff, the emotion of experience through just words. Yes. Miraculous is a great. It's miraculous. It's miraculous. And you know, um, I was reading somewhere. Uh, this writer and this artist were debating the the effect of their chosen art form, and the writer was saying to the painter, "Oh, well, the paint. You know, you're you're so much better. You can see these things. You know, you're you're." doing all this kind of stuff for the for the audience you can you know ship it out you can move it and lots and lots of people can see it and the art the painter turns to the writer and says yeah but I can't make someone cry Ugh. with just the words right, you know and I, I don't know if that's just because of this particular painter I mean there are paintings that are emotional that's re- that's. I mean, I'm silent because I have to think about that and wrap my head around that. No, that's that it's, that's it's related wild. to words. 
it, you just reminded me of um, being in, I think, Arizona. I was working with a, an artist there. She worked with, she was a potter. She worked with clay. And she sat down, gave me a big lump of clay and said, you know, you, she said, you have plenty of time this afternoon. I said, I've got nothing but time. And she said, okay, well then sit there. And so I started just working with the clay. I have no idea what I'm doing with clay, by the way. No idea. I was mm-hmm. there for a completely different reason, but this just sort of unfolded. And after about 90 minutes, created some things. And I was with some other people who had also made some things. And for what purpose? There was no purpose. It was just we were there. The clay was there. And we had some time. Mm-hmm. And she said at the end of all of it, we all kind of looked at what each person had had been doing with their hands. And she said you know, your hands have a certain kind of intelligence. Mm. And I wrote it down. And I then I wrote it with a blank. Your blank has a certain kind of intelligence. Like, leave it blank. Mm-hmm. Right? Just thinking mm-hmm. about, we always attribute intelligence to our brain. Yeah. But that, we, you know, we're talking about games or playing, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of intelligence that is accessed through playing. And I've, I've thought about, <clears throat> this is kind of cool. So your brain is does miraculous things, to use the word miraculous. Your brain has its own process that it goes through. And when you introduce something new to your brain, if you actually give it space to do what it does naturally, which is to take new information and categorize it mm-hmm. and put it in the right buckets, mm-hmm. you will have a deeper understanding of that new knowledge and hold on to it longer. It's so, you, you, will, you will understand it. Suddenly, it's, uh, I'll tell you the story. I got a friend who lived in Switzerland, so he spoke, f- he spoke French, and he wanted to go to school in Denmark, but the requirement was he had to be able to speak Danish. Oh. Yeah, and Danish is not an easy language because uh, it's spoken in the back of the throat. Oh. Fre- French is spoken with the lips. The more you move your lips, the better you'll, you know, the more you lose your lips, the better you're going to be. Musée dulce. Dulce. But you don't, you can't do it as a ventriloquist. You got to, you got to, you know, your lips have to be like a rubber band, elastic. Uh But Danish is all in the back. So he goes one month to Denmark to immerse himself in the language. One month. He's just there. He's studying it. He's trying to speak it. He's trying to hear it in the cafes, everything. He said the end of a month, he felt like he was about 50%. But he was completely and utterly overwhelmed by it all. So he said, I booked a ticket home. I had one week before school started. And if I didn't speak Danish, they were going to kick me out. So I booked a ticket home for the last week. And I decided the best thing that I could do for myself was to not think about any Danish, to not look at it, to not study it, just to go home and to have fun, to play. He actually used that language to go home and just play. He said, when I came back, I was at 85%. Oh, you're kidding me. Isn't that amazing? He obviously was a lingual, like, you know, he understood languages, but the whole let your brain rest, make the space, play, step away from it, go do something that has nothing to do with it, pointless play, and allow Uh your brain to do something. That is astounding. Crazy, I isn't mean, it? because because think about it, you know we're we're always like trying to cram more information in, or we're trying to study this, trying to study that. Da 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 da. da. One more hour. Yeah. As opposed like, to just walking away, walk away, and then and then play. Mm. I I I just love that idea. We you know 
we started this conversation talking about games and then we talked about play and then we talked about these other experiences that we've had that are related to that but it there is there's something playful in all of these things that we're trying to do these conversations these sharings of stories it's i mean it is what it is right well you're beat you're in the moment you're not yeah. trying to have an outcome there's not some outcome you don't go talk to your friends like at the end of this conversation there's going to be a consequence from the consequence <laughs> there's going to be a powerpoint <laughs> slide of all the goodness that came from it it's like not. You're just gonna. You're gonna connect. You're gonna make some space. Yeah, you're gonna it. see where it goes. So Conversation is play. There yeah, we go. There you go. Conversation wow. is play. It's the adult version of play. We're just yeah. gonna sit here and be like, hey, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. You want to talk about fairy houses? I can talk to you about fairy houses. That was random, but we could do. We could do that. <laughs> Maybe we should. <laughs> Until we play again, Mason. Okay. All right. Thank you, Courtney. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. And share with any of your friends you think might enjoy being a part of this conversation. We'd also love to hear your thoughts and stories, so visit us at www.igotoneforya.com or email us directly at igotoneforya.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>